introduce yourself? Yes, my name's Lauren. I'm 22 years old. Um, I live in Troy, and right now I'm working as a preschool teacher. So what qualifies you to basically speak on this topic? What's your journey? So, well, to start, I'm a white cis woman in America, so I kind of am what people think of when they think of someone with an eating disorder. Right. You're, um, you're like, basically a representation of this culture. Yeah. Pretty much, yes. So my eating disorder began when I was 11. Didn't get much attention until I was 15. Um, talked about in therapy a little bit. Nothing ever came of it. When I was 18, I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder. And um, that's when my family cared because they saw a change in what I looked like. And my mom especially did not like that. So that went on for a while in college. Um, what actually really started the restricting cycle was I had a choking incident in the dining hall at my school. And after that, I was terrified to eat. I was scared to swallow my food. I didn't trust my body that it could swallow food anymore. So I, my restriction looked like I was scared to eat solid foods at that point. Um, and then after a while, my body did change again. And that's when things got more serious because I wanted to do it more. I wanted to stop eating. I wanted to eat less. That became my goal because I got more attention with the way the new, my new body. I mm -hmm. felt more confident in my new body and I thought if it worked before, I can continue. Um, and then um, things got really bad when the pandemic started for me. Um, I moved into my own apartment and that's when things got the worst they've ever been. So um, I'm diagnosed with anorexia but the binge purge subtype. So I was restricting my food intake, um, trying to eat as little as possible, and then th that catch up catches up to you as a person. And I would binge and then purge it. And there's many types of purging. It looks different. It's not just um, throwing up. There's um, laxative abuse and overexercise, diet pills, um, restricting after a binge can even be seen as purging. So that was going on. And then um, actually last fall, my um, exercise addiction got completely out of control and I was the sickest I've ever been. And that's where I ended up in treatment and was in treatment for four months. And here I am. Awesome. So a quick summary. That's a quick summary. Good. So do you want to explain just like a little bit about the the place you went and like what you learned and what actually like I guess educated you and made you want to change yes so I went first of all finding treatment for an eating disorder is borderline impossible in my opinion um, insurances do not want to cover it they don't want to cover long-term care it's expensive um Unfortunately, it doesn't work all the time, so just insurances don't want to cover it. 
Um, so after a while of looking, I found a place that my insurance worked with, which I had to go all the way to Chicago for. Um, and so I was there and um, I hated it. I wanted to leave many times, I almost did. And um, I guess the worst part is the, the refeeding. So after you restrict your intake, your food intake for so long, your stomach can't, it, I think, I don't wanna be wrong, it might, your stomach might shrink or it just can't handle a lot of food anymore. I don't know. Right, I think either it actually shrinks or that's just the term people yeah. use, but either way you can't handle as much right. food. You can't, like after a few bites you feel very intense fullness and you feel sick and it's terrible. And in treatment, it's not an option to stop eating. You eat, and that's what you're there for. Um, but it's terrible, and I actually developed a condition called gastroparesis where my stomach um, wouldn't empty. Um, so when I would take those bites, my stomach was already so full from the meal before that it, I couldn't eat as much. Um, so that, that whole process for me, that was the majority of my time there, like six to eight weeks, I was like in a lot of pain and, um, that's why I hated it. And after that, like they said, they said the whole time, it will get easier, it will get easier. And I didn't listen. I was like, it won't get easier. This is terrible. But after that amount of time, it did get easier and I was able to eat an appropriate amount and, be medically stable again and here I am amazing do you want to talk a bit about what made you start disordered eating at such a young age at 11 like tell me about your journey so I guess when it started at 11 I have this like vivid memory of writing I was on my bedroom floor in my childhood uh, house and I was writing in my journal and I was writing the rules of what I was allowed to eat in a day and when I was allowed to eat those foods and I remember at the top I wrote by the end of the summer I want to be x amount um in weight that summer was really rough because at that age there's a lot summer like you go to your friend's house there's pool parties and all this stuff that you do outside and that's when I first started comparing what my body looked like to the other girls I was with and then um, I don't want to say it went away but I think the intensity of that feeling of needing to be that weight went away especially as like I went through puberty it's, it just wasn't possible and then I transferred schools my sophomore year or like after freshman into sophomore and that's when it started really bad again. And looking back, it wasn't, I wasn't there trying to be thin. I wasn't restricting my food to be thin. I was doing it because at that time I had transferred schools so many times. My parents had me transfer a lot and I was terrified. I was like, I, I can't control anything. My parents made me transfer schools. I don't know anyone. I don't have friends. I don't have anything. And I think my brain just automatically went back to this is what you can control. You can control how much you eat. So that's what you have and that's what you're going to do. Right. So when you were writing in your journal at 11, what was your motivation behind writing a list like that? Was it 
because you recognized that everybody's bodies were different and you wanted to compare yourself? It was definitely more at that age. It was more I wanted to look like the other girls. And um, I played soccer and it was always the smaller girls who were better and faster. And looking back at that and looking back at pictures, like you'd think I was crazy. Right. Like it, that's just how my body dysmorphia like began. Like I, I mean, it made no sense. Because I you're a little girl. Way. I was I was little. I made, I looked like the right, all of us girls at that age really looked just, you know, it was. But your brain know. associated being better in soccer with being smaller and thinner. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because that's what I saw other people. Right. But what I couldn't see, I just thought I looked so much different from them. Right. It's like a skewed vision, but that's mm-hmm. sort of like what made you think that you need to. You needed to change your body. Yeah. And I think, like I said, with that school change, that was a big thing. So now I look back and it's like, okay, so traumatic events are what trigger it, the comeback. Because that's what happened when I was 18. Right. The choking. The choking. And how terrified I was. And that just brought, kind of made me go back into that cycle. So for you, it wasn't necessarily what society was telling you. It sort of was at first, mm-hmm. um, because I think wanting to be smaller and thinner is sort of like a very American um, ideal body image. But then it sort of developed into this is what I can control. It's the only thing in my life I can control. Mm-hmm. And then when you felt that loss of control from choking, it sort of brought back mm-hmm. that feeling of like I need to not eat because if I eat I might choke right so it's yeah it started as that that trauma response but then when I noticed the body changing that's when I right I think my mind switched and um I remember that whole that whole winter I my parents really I'm talking about my mom I guess all people only notice when things are really bad Mm -hmm. so Throughout the the past like decade, things have been on and off, on and off. But the whole time that's been the only thing that's been consistent is that people care when it, you're already kind of too far in it. People either don't see it before yeah, that. Either bigger or smaller. Yes. Right. That's what Where they you're notice. Too far gone. Mm-hmm. I totally, I I totally agree. So when you were in treatment, um, you were obviously with a lot of different types of people from different backgrounds but mm-hmm. mostly american i think there were a few foreign american but yeah mostly okay. i mean there was only eight of us but okay so when you heard their background stories how did they compare to yours so their stories all of our stories were were pretty different however they all had the one similar like control piece and okay thinking about like when you know we would all tell our stories um everyone had some event or some terrible thing happened to them over the course of their childhood or whatever that caused them to need control okay that's interesting and i think um i've heard um of people like starting off i'm gonna start this diet Mm -hmm. and then it turns into an eating disorder. 
And I think, and I've talked to someone who, who this happened to, start off with great intentions or, you know, intentions to just, quote unquote, get healthier. Mm-hmm. And they're, ed- they're, they're ending up with a severe eating disorder. And I think that that just means your brain, that person's brain, had something they, need, they needed control over. And just kind of like I said with my choking thing, your brain, the eating disorder, takes a situation and runs with it. Right. They'll take anything, um, which is kind of what they talk about with, like, relapse prevention. Like, you you cannot skip a snack. You cannot skip a meal because your eating disorder, especially early in recovery, will take it right back, will just take over. Right. It's It starts as skipping one meal or one mm-hmm. snack, and it just develops. Yeah, I mean, I always said, you know, I, I could stop right. running at midnight if I wanted to. I could stop. That's what I would say. I couldn't. I couldn't. I would, I would be, I hated it. And I would cry. I would cry that I don't want this eating disorder anymore. I would cry because it's making me exercise and I'm exhausted and I don't want to. But this is what I'm, I spend my days doing now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, we can go into it if you want. But like social media definitely glamorizes what an eating disorder actually looks like. What yeah. you don't see is... I mean, you, someone could post a picture. I mean, I've done it. Post a picture of me, you know, at a party with friends. And no one knows what actually happened that day. No one knows what my eating disorder made me do that day. How miserable that day actually was. Right. So. They just see my body. Right. Um, so why don't we talk about, I guess, the differences between what society, American society as a whole thinks about eating disorders and what they really are. Because I feel like we, as a society, characterize it as, oh, they're all female. They all want to be thin. They all got those ideas from TV, social media, magazines. And they, I don't know, I feel like people assume that people are influenced by outside forces more than they are. Yes, I agree that is what happened in my case. Like a lot of time in treatment, we focused on how to like clean out our social media, how to make it less triggering, how to make it less eating disorder based. And I think for a lot of people it is a problem. However, for some it's it's social media is not the problem. It never was. Mine I didn't look at someone on social media and say, yep, that's that's going to be me. That's what I want to look like, that I need to be like that. This is what I need to do. I think it's where what affected me the most um, when I was in my eating disorder pretty bad was just diet culture in general. So like at work with your friends on social media and what I mean by that is like I mean, we were talking the, the things on Instagram. Oh, these are good foods. These are bad foods. And, you know, when people talk about the, the calories in their food mm-hmm. and um, saying things like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good today and not eat that cupcake. Right. So those kind of things that would happen, like, in my real life were more of an issue for me than social media. Okay. So diet culture... Diet culture in general in America does have a significant impact 
but in, in the ways that people don't realize. Yeah. I feel like people don't realize that those Instagram posts, those comments that they say about being good and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm cutting this and that out or I'm on this special diet, people don't realize that those are not necessarily eating disorders, but they're behaviors of disordered mm-hmm. eating. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it start, people start with the diets, whether it's keto, keto or intermittent Atkins. fasting, Atkins, Weight Watchers. Yes. You got to know them all. It's easy to list them out. Everybody knows them. Yes, and everyone's on them, and you know they change out every few years. It's a, it's a new diet, and mm-hmm. the, the keto diet, it just it amazes me that... Um, people do that and then it, it was originally made uh for kids with seizures really yeah I didn't know that, that high fat and low carb diet can actually um it can help with seizures but then people look at a diet and they're like well i need to cut out a food group mm-hmm. which there's actually the word diet comes from this is something i learned in treatment let's see if i can get it right comes from the word dietica and that word originally meant a lifestyle change, um, meaning food was, had very little to do with it. It was more about sleep, work-life, uh, balance. Um, so the word diet just got taken from that, and now it's all about food. That's interesting. Wow. So okay. like an eating disorder, um, as I read to you about Patricia Lester, she explains it as... Um, be basically it becoming your whole personality, how you view yourself and how the world views you. And it's it becomes your being. And all those practices are practices that make you, you. Mm-hmm. So you lose yourself, who you were before, within this like obsessive practice, basically. Yeah, these behaviors. So I'm trying to think of me um, pre-eating disorder. I had energy to hang out with my friends often. Mm-hmm. I was able to get through a work day. I could work full time. I could go to school. when I, If I wasn't working, I was in school. Um, I was able to concentrate in class and take, take my full credit classes and all that. And then when the eating disorder started, it, it takes it, it takes your life away so slowly. You don't notice it until you're like, I, this is my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started for me. Um, I was hanging out with people less. And then it was, I need to go to sleep right after my work. I can't, I have no energy to do anything. And then it was, well, I'll just, I'll just, you know, exercise in the morning and that'll be fine. Now I'm exercising in the morning. Now I'm exercising at this time and this time. And then you look at your schedule and you're like, I, I'm not doing anything. This is, this is my life now. And then for me, work got cut out. I couldn't work full-time anymore because I was so exhausted and I was so depressed. And then work, no work for me. I couldn't work at all. And at that point, I look back at those those months I wasn't in work, like between that and between treatment, and I didn't, I didn't do anything besides my eating disorder. My eating disorder was my full-time job. I woke up and I did exactly what it told me to until I went to bed. Right. And so 
you're basically like a robot to yeah. your eating disorder. And it, I would put it before anything else. And that to other people looks, it can look selfish, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it can look like, it can look, like I said, so I don't, I don't live with anyone. So my people like on the outside of my life, like my family were like, you clearly don't, don't want help. You're spending your days doing this, engaging in eating disorder behaviors, but you're not doing anything about it. You're, you're just doing your eating disorder all day long. What, like I said, what they don't see is I, I cried all the time. I was sad. I didn't want to do what it was, what it was telling me to do. I didn't want any of it. I, I didn't want an eating disorder. I wanted it gone. I wanted to wake up the next day and for it to be gone. So my question about that is, I know that it's the, the eating disorder controlling you, but what's the meaning behind that for you? Is, is it tied to your body and how you saw your body and how it just like kept changing and you thought for the better? Mm-hmm. I think at that point, it felt like I had no other option but to have a eating disorder because that was who I was. So okay. I think it was rooted in that. And then also... I'm trying to remember. I really don't think at that point in the fall it had much to do with my body anymore. Um, I I really rarely looked at myself. I, I hated myself. I hated every piece of me. So I, I didn't even look at my body. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, yet I was still doing all these behaviors to change it. To change it. Interesting. So it, it, it really spirals and it makes very fast. Makes it you like dissociate feels... from your from your physical body. Yes, yes. I had no connection to my, my body. There's actually a group we had to do at treatment. It was called Mind Body Recovery because like there's just such a disconnect when you're in it so much. Yeah. To ex- it, you know, body dysmorphia. Like you don't you don't even, I had no idea what I looked like. Right. No idea. It didn't even feel like you. Right, and I look back at pictures, and I'm like, I I didn't look like that. Like, I just don't remember feeling that feeling myself in that body when I look back at myself that, at that time. Right. It just is all that time period of your life is just taken over by what you were doing every day and how mm-hmm. miserable and controlled it was. Treatment was, I'm going to use the word forced on me. However, no one could force me into treatment. It was more of like, if you don't get help, um, you, you know, things are going to get cut off. I, I, I can't get support at home anymore, or my therapist can't treat me outpatient anymore. She can't. It's a liability, you know. Anyway, my only option was treatment. So I go in there, and I'm, I'm angry, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is terrible. I didn't talk for two weeks when I was there. Everyone thought I was never going to talk. Um, but, and my motivation to change did not come until a few months in. Um, and even when I left treatment, I wasn't sure because treatment's so controlled. So I was like, yeah, I can do it here, but am I really going to do, do this at home? Um, and I surprised myself and I, I, I did and I, I do, um, I think my motivation to actually like, you know, start completing my meal plan in um in treatment was when I saw a lo- when I saw an end 
So a lot of my, my medical issues, you know, started to go away. I wasn't having a lot of the symptoms I was having before. And so when I was like, you know, in the refeeding and I was having all these other medical issues going on, um, that's really hard to see a way out of. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't see a way out until some of those things started going away. It gets worse before it gets better. A hundred percent. And no one you can't going into treatment, that's what they told me. I didn't care. Yeah. You you Can, do you convince don't care. Someone. It's not you don't want it. And I didn't want it until I actually like I mean still now I, I question it. Do I really want this? But then I remember I'm able to work my full week. I have energy to do things. I'm not like I'm not my eating disorder anymore. Right. So you found that connection back to yourself. Something that helped me a lot was the work thing. Like, oh, if, if I follow my meal plan, I have enough energy to, to do my job well. And you like your job. Yeah. And that's that a, like helped a me huge, a lot. important thing for you. Wanting to get back to work. I feel like in a way, work is such a, an integral part of like our society. And yeah. also, if you don't have a job and you're not in school... What are you really doing? Like that's that's what eating disorder. Right. Well, that's how society views it. So, it's it's interesting that that like motivation came from wanting to go back to work and like almost like a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. too. And I think also something that treatment really helps with is is they they do snap you out of your cycle quick. Right. You're not gonna. They change your routine. You change your routine the second you get there. You're not gonna do. It's not an option to do your eating disorder. Right. You're not exercising. Yeah, I can't speak for all treatment centers. The one I was at, you were not getting away with things. Right. You were there to get better, and that was it. Makes sense. And um, it worked. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Do you see things in America getting better or worse? Right now, I'm surrounded by a lot healthier people mm. than I was surrounding myself with or talking to when I was in my eating disorder. So when I was in my eating disorder, I was like, you know, talking to all those people and that's who I, that's who I was with and, you know, hanging out with and talking to. I was like, this, this is just how everybody is. Right. This is, this isn't weird that I'm like this. This is just how everybody is. When I was taken out of the eating disorder world, I'll call it, I am like, no, that was not normal, what I was doing. That's not a normal thing to be doing. And so right now, I think, I think because diet culture is such a big thing, and right now, anti-diet culture is also yeah. on the rise. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think better. You think it's on, on its way? I think it could get there. Um, I see, maybe it's because of just, who I follow, whatever, but I do see more anti-diet culture posts than diet culture posts. Yeah, I think there's, I've, I don't know about an equal amount, but I think there's a rising amount of anti-diet culture yes. and body positivity and just different, basically anti every, every diet bo- bad body image <laughs> ideal. I see it, I see it, I see things differently now, yeah, um. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, I now, I challenge everything. If someone is 
you know, engaging in diet culture around me, I, I challenge them. Right. You you call it out. I call it out. Not around me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, it betters people anyway because these are such ingrained, you know, ideals right. about calories and sugar's bad for you and I need to be good today and yeah. all these different things that people literally grow up believing in. They think that's like just normal to talk about right and they say um once you start unlearning diet culture you go through like two this is what i learned in treatment you go through two phases one is you're angry you're angry that your life has been like a lie a lie everyone around you is like in this diet culture world like this is what it is and then after that you go into feeling sad and you feel you feel you feel bad for these people who are in this cycle and then you go into, I'm going to change. I, I want to change. I want other people to change. I'm going to start calling it out. Even though I do call some things out, I still consider myself angry. Um, not as much angry that I was, yeah, I'm angry that I was stuck in it for so long. But I'm really angry that other people are. Right. Like, I'm in that high school they haven't been through what I've been through. They haven't research what I've researched they they don't they haven't read the books I've read they don't fully grasp that diet culture is dangerous like could, could well yeah <laughs> but could also lead to worse things yeah they don't get it I mean not and everybody that makes me mad yeah because not everybody sees those small behaviors adding up to one big thing or right. getting out of control but it's so easily gets out of control All right like we talked about earlier there's a very like yeah, it starts as a diet. Right. And for some people, maybe that's all it is. Maybe they'll be a lifetime dieter. Because that's usually what happens, because diets don't work. Right. Once you start a quote-unquote diet, you have to be on it forever, I guess. To, to see work, the change. To see the change. And when you take that away, you're, you're so free. 